Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world. Hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. Today's guest is a driver. He's a team owner. As a driver, he competes full-time in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, driving the number 92 Chevrolet Camaro for DGM Racing. He's also competed in the NASCAR Truck Series and the Arca Menard Series. He's been in the news lately. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, he was involved in a three-car collision at Atlanta Motor Speedway. His crew taped up the damage. However, debris began to fly off his number 92 Chevy, and officials ordered him to leave the race. They told him... To park it, Mike. So he did, right at the start-finish line. He left the vehicle and waved to fans while walking towards the garage. You're getting a visual, or you may have seen it. According to NASCAR, he violated several sections of the member code of conduct. He didn't get to race at Coda over the weekend. He received a one-race suspension. I assume we'll see him at Richmond. Welcome to the show, Josh Williams. Say hi to Mike Wallace. <laughs> What's happening, guys? I appreciate you for having me on. Yeah, well, you're a superstar, man. You have become a 
overnight sensation, if I may say that, or it might be a what the story where they call that Jeff a fifteen year overnight sensation. Overnight recognition. An overnight recognition. <laughs> there you, go. Uh, you know, our show normally goes into who were you your early days, and we're going to get to that. But he's such a highlight headline, fun, funny, serious, all all the above. But I need you to take us back to Atlanta. Uh, two weeks ago, I guess we'll call it two weeks ago now. It was, sure. And uh, you're running the Xfinity race. And I want you to tell the story because, uh, I mean, people that watch it on television, I will tell you this. I've done a probing this week asking about uh, to different fans, different people, racers in the business of who won the Atlanta Xfinity race. No one can tell me. <laughs> Seriously, like no one could tell me, but they told me Josh Williams parked it at the start finish line. <laughs> so, so, so you, without winning, you you were the, the the overshadowing person of the race. He won the marketing challenge. Yeah, marketing challenge totally won. So, uh, t- take us back to Atlanta. That that green flag flies, and what what goes on? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, everybody knows Atlanta has changed so much here in the past couple of years after the the reconfiguration and the repave and it kind of plays out like a Daytona or Talladega. Um, so, you know, we were just kind of biding our time there and just riding around and trying to survive to the end. And unfortunately got some front end damage there in the, in the wreck with the 27 and the 02. And we we're still going to have a good day. Um, you know, it, it was going to affect us a little bit, but the new Atlanta, it's like a speedway, right? So as long as we stayed behind the pack and stayed out of trouble, we were still going to end up having a good solid finish and get some good points and move on to Richmond. Well, Coda, I guess. I keep forgetting that's on the schedule. Yeah, you but, you probably weren't even scheduled to run Coda, to be serious, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, go <I> on. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, man, it's just, you know, it, it's an unfortunate. Uh, it's super cold outside. Um, you know, Bear Bond was, was a struggle to, you know, to get to stick to the car. So, I mean, we were heating it with torches and everything. And, and um, unfortunately, we lost a piece there off the right front. Um and then NASCAR decided to, to tell us to park it. And I was, I think it was just a product of, of how the race was going super caution filled there in the first stage. And it was just really long and drawn out. Uh, so I feel like that I was, I was the victim right there. I was the guy that was the straw that broke the camel's back. So they, uh, they decided to park us and, um, you know, we was talking back and forth on the radio and I was like, there's no way that this is, this is real. Like there's no way that this is, this is happening. And, uh, so I was riding around the bottom real slow and, uh, Reed Sorens and my spotter and my crew chief Brian Berry were talking back and forth to officials and I passed pit road entrance at that point so I slowed down and I stopped at the start finish line and I asked Reed again I'm like is this is this real like are they really black flagging us he's like yeah they said to park it I was already parked so I just <laughs> got out I, I will say that's ultimate classic I mean were you thinking about that even or when when that when you did that I mean just it, it no, happened it's... so cool that it's like, man, I got this all planned yeah, I, out. The, I guess the question is, what was your mindset? Were you angry? Oh yeah, I was super mad because I mean, it, I mean, it hurts us a lot. I mean, we're we're trying to fight for points and positions and and purse money and everything to keep going, and it just—I didn't think it was right in any way. But you know, it's it's their sandbox, and we just play in it. So, um, I mean, I stand beside their decision of them parking me for a week. I mean, I get it. I, I kind of disrupted the whole world there for a few hours. So, well, let me ask you that. I'm being sorry. I thought I heard you say that. Why do you stand by that decision? Why do you think it was right for them to park you? And why uh, then, well, from that point, why do you think it was right for them to suspend you uh, 
under the circumstances, because I've heard just like so much conversation, Jeff, this week about this subject, and it's like, uh, yeah, maybe the rules this, but considering the temperature, the bear, you know, bear bonds a sticky big tape that you do patchwork with. Yeah. And it's like there wasn't a common sense call put there. It was like, this is the rule, you know. And, and the car wasn't trashed, right? Right. So, so why do you, uh, why do you yeah, stand, I mean, why do you think they made a right call? I definitely disagree with them parking us. I disagree with the, the suspension side of things. I mean, if they didn't do anything at all, I mean, that kind of opens the door up for everybody to be like, oh, well, he got away with it. If I don't like to call him and do something crazy. So, I mean, they definitely, they definitely showed order and, and, you know, showed people that, you know, there's definitely consequences for your actions. Yeah, well, the guy, nice thing about it, and I'm trying to have a little humor with this at the same time, during uh, you walking back to and getting over to pit wall, you know, there was live cameras around. And when you were in the pit area, you made the comment, go ahead and find me. I can't pay it anyway. <laughs> and, and then it's later, it's a true story. <laughs> true story. <laughs> and well, then, Denny Hamlin said he'd pay it. Yeah, right? then Denny Hamlin steps up and says, I'll pay it. And it's like, NASCAR's going like, shit, this ain't going to work. Money, money's not going to affect this deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, that, you know, and, and a lot of people are like, oh, Denny was probably just saying that, you know, blah, blah, blah. But no, he actually reached out to me Sunday morning for the cup race. And he's like, man, he's like, I'm dead serious. You know, I'll pay your fine, whatever it is. You know, I appreciate you doing what you did. And I guess, you know, it's just something simple. Like some of the drivers may feel that things have kind of swayed away from the how racing used to be back in the day. And finally somebody was like, well, I disagree. Yeah. Well, I think it was nice. I, I think you did it in a, it's actually a funny, classy way, man. So you park the car, you get out of the car, and then the fans, the, then the fans start to react. So you start waving to the fans. Tell us about that. Yeah, when I first got out, I waved at the the, the two guys in the flag stand because I mean I know them, right? We're all we're all good buddies. And like you could tell, they didn't want to wave back. They were like, "Oh man, I don't want to wave back." So they kind of like they kind of did like the little half wave on the side and. And uh, I thought that was pretty funny. And I still had my helmet on, my earbuds. So I really couldn't hear anything. So when I took my helmet off, pulled my earbuds out, I was like, I was like, wow. I was like, these people are like standing up and cheering. <laughs> uh, so I just waved back at them, you know. So it was, uh, it escalated rather fast. Yeah, but it, it was very good. Besides the wave, you just threw up a peace sign. Like everybody yeah. was expecting you to flip off the tower, <laughs> right? That's that's what was yeah. that's what was supposed that to happen. That might have got you a little. Far oh up. no, that it's like it was. That's why I say it looked. Almost like I got this figured out already, you yeah. know, and you peace signed them and kept walking. So, so I mean, yeah, I, at the end of the day, I think it all worked out pretty good for you. And you guys have had a little fun with it, too. Talk about your your little TV tour you've done over the past couple of weeks. Oh, man, I feel like it's every 30 minutes I've got to do something crazy. But, um, you know, it's just uh, it's been fun and it's been cool because a lot of people, you know, they they kind of tell my they kind of tell my story more than than focusing on the you know, the event that happened. And I think that's the most beneficial thing is people kind of get to know me. Um, you know, they, they know what I do and they know what I do during the week and, and how hard we work to, to get things done. So, Hey, just out of curiosity, Josh, are you doing the dishes right now? So I just, I just got in the truck. We, uh, we just fired up the light model. We were taking a kid to Hickory today to, uh, to test and, and, uh, we're trying, we're trying to get out of the shop. So, the guys were staring at me like, "Hey, are you gonna get off the phone? We gotta go." So tell, tell them, fire, tell fire them no. Camera. You got forty-five minutes. It's, it's valuable <laughs> yeah. time. The whole world's listening. So tell them to chill out. <laughs> yeah, I told them you got it. So I went and said in the truck. They're, get, they're getting paid. They're getting paid, so they can they can handle it without me. Good deal. Yeah. So 
so as you were um, escorted from your pit area, extremely uh, escorted. Yeah, I mean they they wouldn't leave you alone. Tell tell the listeners. I mean, because I think it's really important. This this was a is a fun conversation, but it's a serious conversation at the same time. Once they took you and escorted you from your pit area, where did they take you? And I noticed your car was parked at the NASCAR trailer, which I've never seen before in my life. That like the car's there, and you're in, I believe. So t tell everybody what happened from the point of leaving the pit area. Yeah. So basically. Um... I walked in a pit box and then, uh, you know, they were like, um, they were like, Hey, you got to go to the infield care center. And at that point in time, I told them, what are they going to do? Find me. I can't pay it anyways. And, uh, uh, Regan Smith and, and Wendy Venerini were there and they were fixing to interview me, but they, uh, they said they couldn't because we had to go, uh, you know, follow protocol and, and go to the care center. So when they brought me in the care center, they actually brought a security guard in there, and he stood there the whole time. I was like, what do they think I'm going to do, like run out of here or something? Or punch somebody. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I don't know uh, what was on their mind. But, um, you know, it's just, I don't know. I thought I thought it was a little little overboard at the time. And, I mean, I would have been more willing to go to the hauler after the race and talk to Wayne. Like, you know, that's no issue. But, but I was in there, I think there was 140 laps to go. And I had to sit there the entire time. And it was just caution-filled and took forever. And uh, they wouldn't let me change. They wouldn't let me have my backpack. They wouldn't let me do anything. And they, uh, they actually offered me food and, and something to drink when I first walked in there. And I was like, I don't want anything y'all got. Well, <laughs> two and a half hours later, I was like, you know, the pizza don't sound so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you think, I, like, I, you know, I've always heard the, hey, report to the trailer after the race. My little brother Kenny and I were talking about this the other day about your situation. He goes, "Oh, let me tell you, a deal happened to me in Phoenix years ago." He says my crew guys told me that I was supposed to go to the hauler after the race. Yeah. And he says I told him act like you didn't see me. Oh, yeah. So he left. So he says Mike Helton called him on Tuesday and told him he didn't want to be the one that ruined his career. But now he's got a ten thousand dollar fine to go along with. Yikes! <laughs> so, so you, what did they have you? Was there somebody sitting in the trailer with you this whole time? Uh, there was a couple officials in there, like you know, doing doing their job. But no, I was up in the front lounge watching the race on TV. Okay, so you're sitting there which again i've never heard of making somebody do that but you're sitting in there and the race is over and who's the first person that walks through the door in the hauler and for everybody that doesn't uh know what goes on at a nascar race there's a 53 foot we call them transporters and nascar has a portable office they have a lot of their tech stuff and then up front there's a lounge area which is that's where the bosses hang out and yeah Gotcha. The principal's office is what it used it to be. It sounds like detention. Yeah, it really yeah, does. Yeah. <laughs> so who who walks through the door, Josh, when after that race? Yeah, so so we're sitting there and uh my crew chief, he comes in the trailer and, and we're waiting and we're talking about it. And then Wayne walks in the side door and my crew chief's like, Wayne, we're in here waiting. He says, Y'all just wait a minute, I'll be right there. <laughs> and we and we told him to bring back up. So <laughs> Yeah, he, uh, he walks in and, you know, we just, I mean, it was, it was a civil conversation, you know, I mean, he explained his side and I explained my side and, and, um, you know, once it was all over and, and, uh, you know, I got, I got my reprimanding, we, me and Wayne shook hands and, and hugged each other and said, we'll see you next time. So, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I, I like Wayne. He, he's a good guy. I mean, he's a short track racer at heart like the rest of us. So he, uh, I think he understood why I was so upset, 
but he he definitely didn't agree with me uh, causing a scene during his show. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, and I, then we're gonna, we're going to go here in a second to your to your normal program, but. After you, what did you expect when you walked out of that door? Were you expecting to get a fine? Were you expecting to get suspended? Did you know what they had in mind, or was it like, we'll call you on Tuesday and let you know? I I didn't know what they were going to do. I mean, I knew they were they were definitely going to do something, um, you know, to to kind of prove a point that, you know, they didn't agree with what I did. So um, I knew I probably knew we were going to get suspended. I kind of felt that way. Um, but I wasn't sure if this is the fine stuff. And, and I was more worried about getting a points penalty than anything else, really. Yeah, you actually, if, if I may say it this way, you actually got off kind of easy, didn't you? I, I mean, think so. I mean, it, it, it's bad in a sense we still lost an entire race. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of a, a points penalty in its own. But, you know, at, at the same time, it, it wasn't missing a race and losing extra points. So I, I definitely, uh, definitely okay with that side of it. All right, one. We're gonna to go to break in a second, but one final question before we go to break: Were you scheduled to run Coda? I was. I was. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I was on the on the sheet. So. Okay, because you know, I thought you know your team is a good little race team, but times they put what I call a you know a more road race guy into cars here and there, and uh, it's like giving a pitcher in baseball a suspension or a, a, like a, a three day suspension. Yeah, well, you know he pitches every five days. So it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, well, me and Mario actually talked about it. You know, after the right as soon as we walked out of the holler, I said, "Hey, I said you might want to call Alex LeBay and, and tell him he, he needs to come to Mooresville and, and get ready, see if he fits." So, we uh, we had that in the works before we even left the racetrack at, at Atlanta. Good deal. We'll take a time out here, come back and talk some more with Josh Williams. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. You know Josh Williams. He parked his car at the start-finish line at Atlanta Motor Speedway a couple of weeks ago. He's our guest today. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Josh, we had a good first segment there talking about what happened at Atlanta, but the concept here is who are you? Um, tell us about where Josh Williams come from, early days of racing, how you ever got started, uh, and just tell us the story. Yeah, you know, uh, I guess like all the other kids, you know, started racing go-karts when I was four in South Florida, did uh, road race karts for a while, and uh, moved into the quarter midget ranks and did that for a couple years, and moved on to the Bandoleros and Legends cars. Um, you know, Mike, you're awfully familiar with that world, and you know, oh, we spent my, a lot of time. My, my daughter told me she raced against you. So, oh, is that right? Yeah, yes, that's yeah we yeah. we raced with each other on some Legends car stuff, and then in some Arca stuff as well. So, I actually think I spun her out at Toledo one time. She was pissed. I thought she was going to fight me there for a little while. <laughs> she 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 has a little bit of a temper. She's a little girl, but she's got a temper. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah. So, oh, she was fired up, man. Yeah, I, that, she ended up good. She finished fifth that day at Toledo. So, uh, hey, going back to South Florida in those go karts. I mean, was your family involved in in any form of motorsports, or how did you even get started in that go kart world? Yeah, my dad raced uh, for a long time. He um, he started racing in Indiana and, and moved to Florida, and uh, you know started running uh, street stocks and stuff down there and sportsman cars and you know uh, finally running pro trucks, super light models, modified some Florida. I was at the racetrack every weekend. I mean, he would work all week and then race on Saturday and fish on Sundays to 
to pay, to pay the power bills. So it was, uh, you know, it was fun times. And they built me a custom go-kart when I was two and a half years old. Um, they had a five horse Briggs on it. I got it for Christmas and dad thought it was a cool idea to fire it up in the middle of the living room. <laughs> and, uh, Love it. Oh yeah. So he like revs it up and it like, it, it puts a mark in the carpet and, and my mom is livid. I mean, she is a hundred percent livid. So, uh, that, that started the whole racing bug. I played regular sports as a kid. And, and once I started racing full time, I was basketball and baseball to me, was just boring. I just wanted to race. So we, uh, we finally quit that and, and committed, uh, basically my entire life to motorsports. It's, it's all I've ever done, you know, since I was 12 years old, I've done nothing but race. So, so as you got through, as you were mentioned through the Bandolero and legend car stuff, all that. So you're at Toledo and Arca race. Well, what goes on from, from that point? I mean, you've been around for quite some time. What did you own at that time? Were you owning your own equipment and working on it or were you driving for someone else? How, how was, how was that progressing? Yeah. Yeah. We ever, so we kind of come to a crossroads when I was fixing to turn 15 and it's like, you know, what do you do? Do you spend X amount of dollars and run super late models all around Florida? Or do you spend just a little bit more, maybe race a little less, but, you know, go to a series like ARCA to where, you know, there's, you travel to different tracks, there's a little bit more competition and, and things like that. And, and that's kind of the, the path um, that I went down. Uh, Ken Reagan introduced me to Barry Owen. I'm pretty sure you're familiar oh, with my the bad Barry. Let, let me explain. Let me take a moment and I'm going to interrupt your interview, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I, know where, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, well, Barry Owen made my career, right? Barry Owen is a guy up in Lexington, North Carolina, and we won three bush races together. Uh, talking about a guy that can take a nickel and make a $100 bill out of it. Nice. Seriously. And I, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. I, uh, I, I'm, I was kind of shocked by that. So Barry, Barry Owens is one of those unsung heroes in my, my eyes. So go, go ahead. From Ken Reagan, which is cool. Yeah, David Reagan's yeah, know dad the name, introduced yeah. him. Yeah, I, I used to live at, at uh, Ken and Beverly's house for a little while, and, you know, we'd go work on stuff. And then I moved in with Barry. And, uh, man, that was some of the funnest times ever. Like you, you're talking about, you know, he'd take a nickel and turn it into $100. And that's that's kind of how I've made it so far is, is Barry's taught me how to, you know, I mean, we would roll through inspection and ARCA races with an upper control arm that says do not use on it. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, Barry, I don't think we should do this. He's like, it's fine. He's like, what, they run it three times on a cup car? He says, it'll work for us. And the officials are like, that says no good. Like, oh, it's fine. But, I mean, it's the little things like that, you know, that I, that I learned over the years of, you know, how to do things right and save money and, and race as much as you can on a minimum dollar. Yeah. He's a good dude, man. I, I spent most of my time working on Corvairs than I did race cars. Oh, my God. You, you were bringing up a cool story because Barry gave me a Cor – Barry built old Corvairs. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so he get, after I uh, – we won three races. We won Indianapolis, uh, Milwaukee, and Dover. Yeah. And he gave me a 65 Ford convertible. All right. A Corvair, Corvair. convertible. I, I yeah. said Ford, didn't I? You did. Yeah, not Chevrolet or whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I know yeah. what a Corvair is. But uh, <laughs> that, that, was, that was a trophy he gave me. That's cool. Oh, yeah. It was, it was so You still cool. have it? Uh, I screwed up and sold it to Kenny Schrader. Oh, no kid! Does yeah. he still have it? And I tried to buy it. The story of the Corvair, listen to this. I, so literally just like six months ago, I realized how how much it actually meant to me. But when I sold it, it didn't didn't seem like I needed it that much. So I went back to Schrader. I said, hey, I want to buy that Corvair back. Just name your price. You know, I know you're going to make. 
He said, man, I sold it to Morrison's. <laughs> well, Morrison's don't make, they don't, they're the car dealer over in, in Concord. Concord. Yeah. yeah. They don't sell nothing for no, even no, no, money. No. They're making their money. So long story short, they'd ended up selling it to some guy for big money somewhere, and I can't get it back right now. So, but uh, I, I, Josh, I'm really happy that you brought up Barry's name. That that is really really exciting to me because he uh, he helped make he made my career. You know, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, you talked about we're talking about stretching parts dollars. We had a car named Joni that we won all those races with. Yeah. You talk about that A frame that's you know do not use. The whole oh, yeah. the whole race car that we won all those races with was with used parts bought from Joni's used race car parts building that used to be over here. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. yeah everything on it was used. So, uh, all right. I'm sorry. I got... That's um, right. It was a good story. Bled in the conversation. So, you were... Well, Ken, I mean, it, Ken Reagan introduced I'll... you to Barry Owens. You're up with Barry and go from there. Yeah, it's it was a fun time, man. I mean, we... Uh, the, we had an ARCA car that we purchased uh, from from Tony Gibson. It was a Michael Waltrip car, and and we went and tested a couple times. And, and Barry, being Barry, he says, "Well, let's just build one." And me and my dad are like, "Oh man, that's that's way too expensive. We're not going to do that." He said, "I guarantee you'll have less money than what you paid for this car." And I was like, "Ah," I said, "We'll see what happens." So we went to Stock Car Steel and purchased every piece of metal you could think of for this car, and me and Barry built the whole thing. No surface plate. We built it right on the ground from ground up, and that's the same car. We built that in 2009. That's the same car I won both my ARCA races with in uh, 16. So uh, it's pretty impressive, man, to, to see just to build something like that and, and to beat some of these big teams like Venerini. And, you know, at, at that time we run against Cunningham and, and a lot of other good cars. And I brought Barry. We started doing our stuff on our own, and, and Barry was doing other things and didn't want to travel as much. So I actually brought him a guitar from Nashville. I said, here, I said, I, I feel like you deserve to have this. And he thought that was pretty cool. And he opens up his cabinet, and he, he moves Richard Petty's 200-to-win uh, grill out of his car over to the side, and he sets a guitar in there. And I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> that, that, that is incredible. I know exactly the location where you're talking about. Barry that, er, Owens that he's talking about, he yeah. worked for Richard Petty. Right. I was on the crew for the 200th win. Yeah. Well, everybody thinks the car that's on display is the authentic 200th win car, except the grill. Barry has the grill out of it because no he kidding. worked for Petty. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, that's probably worth some money to a collector, right? Well, you would think so, but who, you know, the authentication of it or whatever. But so I, I can picture that guitar sitting there. So, congratulations on that. You and Barry, you know, did well. I know what you're talking about, building it from the ground up. He, he always told me, you know, all these guys are talking about thousands of an inch and 30 seconds. He said, that damn old tire don't know that much. It's not that smart. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we, like the first time we go to set bumps here, he puts a car on the lift and puts elephant stands under it, and he just runs the lift up and down and looks at the tire. And I'm like, Barry, don't you think we should, like, use a string or a gauge? He's like, nah. He said, you ever seen a level racetrack? I said, well, I guess you <laughs> Man, it, this uh, is bringing back some old times for me. This is so cool because it's just that, exactly what he's just saying is what Barry was. He, yeah, he, he Old school guy, man. And that, that's he, kind of the mentality I still carry today. Okay. So as you as that era of your life changed, you won some ARCA races, th then w what went on? Uh, oh, we got to the point after 2016 that, that we were – we were pretty much tapped out and that was that was going to be the end of it and i was probably just you know going to continue to work on cars and and uh you know try to find rides here and there and um i was at circle track warehouse one day and jimmy means was in there and he said man he said, i'm trying to find somebody that's starting to park my second car in michigan 
uh, this is 2017, and I, I really wasn't doing much at the time. And Brian Rogers, he said, Jimmy, why don't you put Josh in your car? He's, you know, he can get it done. And at the time, I was like, man, I don't want to start and park, right? Like, that's no fun. And I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, I'd love to do it. And Jimmy bought my license and, and flew me out there, and we made the show, and I did my job, and um, everybody knew I had my license. So I've known Mario Goslin for a long time. He helped me out a little bit in my ARCA stuff, and he calls me. He's like, hey, he's like, you got your license, right? Like, Jimmy bought your license? Yeah, yeah, I got a license. And he said, well, I need you to do a starting part. So I did that a couple times, and we finally come up with a little bit of sponsor dollars to run a couple races, and and uh, I did that for a couple years. And, and then we finally got some partners together and started doing full-time Xfinity stuff, and here we are. I mean, we uh, we keep growing and, and keep building our partners and our brands, and it's been uh, it's been a fun ride, man. I've had a lot of a lot of good sponsors know me for many years, and we just continue to grow and try to get better, and hopefully we can uh, get running up front here soon. That's the name of the game. So, is there a Mike Wallace, Jimmy Bean story? Oh, I, I'm, you I'm were just, looking at me funny. I'm stunned. <laughs> I mean, I swear, Josh and I must have traveled the same path and never knew each other. Jimmy yeah. Jimmy Means gave me my very first cup opportunity. Jimmy was going. Yeah. This would have been back in ninety two, ninety three, something like that. I, I don't want to make you feel old, but that's when I was born. Yeah, I well. Hey, dude, I, Josh, he is old. <laughs> we, he we, knows it. We were making a joke a little while ago before the show started. Somebody said something about, oh, you're going to take such and such ride. If they, uh, There was a driver over the weekend that said he should be replaced yesterday. So I, you know, I, they said, well, you need to go drive that car. And I said, look, they're not going to hire somebody 60 years old. His and initials they, are Bubba Wallace. I saw <laughs> that. <laughs> and, uh, but getting back, you're, talk, you're saying Jimmy Means. And it's like, oh, my God. Jimmy had quit racing. He he quit driving as a driver. He right. wanted to become an owner. So Clyde Stu, Clyde Vickers, Brian Vickers' father, gotcha. him and Jimmy were buddies. He says, hey, why don't you get a deal? I'm going to open the door for you. Why don't you go drive for Jimmy? He's he's not going to race. He's going to go to Phoenix. He's got a, he built a new trailer. He's got da-da-da, you know, we'll do the whole thing. And uh, we went to Phoenix, and it was the first time all my – my two brothers and I, we raced together. Oh, yeah? You know, so it was Rusty, Kenny, and Mike all. And uh, I love Jimmy Means. I love Barry Owens. Those are guys of, uh, God, so cool, it's Josh. It's a small I, world, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It's very, very connected. Especially in the racing business. So, so, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I blame I blame Backcountry Barbecue for putting on so much weight over the years. <laughs> Backcountry Barbecue. Oh yeah, so they, right next to Barry's shop, we eat there like three times a day. That's our new sponsor. <laughs> I, I, I was wondering. I'm thinking, is this like just cooking in the backyard, or this must be a sponsor plug coming? And just yeah. to let you know, you can plug anybody you want. We're good with that. So tell That's us, right. tell us about where you're at today. I mean, what? Not so much where you're at this second, but uh, with your Xfinity program. Uh, whose team is that? What part of the program are you, other than the driver? Uh, catch us up on that for a minute or two here yeah i've been uh, been with dgm for for quite a few years now and um you know we're just we're trying to get better you know i mean like i said earlier we're growing our partners and um, we've made our way into to getting some support from chevrolet and, and we got hendrick motors this year and things like that make a huge difference for us and and just um you know trying to trying to get up to date you know different parts different pieces like that and you know i i spend a lot of time with my development team through the week, you know, we do anything from wing carts at Millbridge to, to Archer cars. And 
anything in between. Like I said, we're, we're on our, we're actually driving to Hickory right now to, to test the kill and a limited lake model. So, um, you know, I, I try to dedicate my time to motorsports and try to try to give the, the new generation of drivers that same attitude, like that Barry taught us, you know, like this is what you need to do to, to be successful and you need to know how to work on your car and, and understand the situation. So, so, so under your development program, because we're going to elaborate more on your uh, Xfinity program in the, in the next session here, your development program, how, how does that work? Or what do you call, first of all, what do you call that? What's the name of your development program? Uh, JW Motorsports Development. So basically, you know, like I said, I mean, we've got some kids we take to Millbridge and, and run wing carts and, you know, it, we're still a rental program. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, you, you got to pay for your ride as well but we try to price ourselves to where you know you can still afford to go race a lot of these guys are, are super expensive and, and you know i tell them all the time i've had some people ask me they're like well what's wrong with your cars your prices you know are, are lower than everybody else's i said well i don't have a condo in charlotte i don't have a house on the lake <clears throat> you know i don't have to pay for my my boat fuel and you know i got three employees so yeah, i try to make it affordable for everybody so they can go race and you know, the, the mom and dad that, that can afford to do it, you know, I, I want them to be able to afford to do it longer. We'll take a time out here. When we come back, Josh, we'll try to find you a place on the lake, all right? We're talking to driver and team owner Josh Williams. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Today's guest driver, team owner, Josh Williams. He parked it at Atlanta Motor Speedway a couple of weeks ago. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, well Josh, as uh, Jeff says, you did park it, but you're an entrepreneurial guy, it sounds like, not just a race car driver. You, you've got your development program. You're helping young drivers. Uh, but let's get back to the Xfinity program just for a moment. We're going to jump back and forth if you don't mind. Tell DGM, what what does those initials stand for? There's got to be some name to that. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically um, it's uh, it's all Mario's uh, initials with him and his brother. Okay. Wow. Now we're talking about Mario Goslin, right? Mario Goslin. Yep, okay. living legend. Living. Super Mario, as I call him. <laughs> I, I've heard him call. I think we've said hello once or twice in our career. I don't know him well, but he's out, he's. Are those cars kept in Florida, or are they up here in the Carolina somewhere? Yeah, so we're fifty-fifty. So the the ninety-one teams ran out of Florida, and then uh, the ninety-two, which I drive, it, we got a shop in Mooresville, and we kind of do both. Um, you know, sometimes they'll come out of Florida, and sometimes they'll come out of Mooresville. So um, the ninety-two cars are all out of Mooresville, but you know, Mario's probably the, the hardest working owner in the garage i mean this guy like he'll call me at 12 o'clock at night and I'll be like what are you doing he's like i'll pull the car down I'm like geez mario you need to, need to take a break but you know, he's so he's so dedicated to the program man and trying to make things better and, and to, to strive to, to beat these big teams and that's a that's the kind of guy you want on your side so it's uh it's been a privilege to work with him and you know we're uh you know we some of our cars are, are old junior motorsports cars and just trying to stay up to date here the best we can yeah, so you said you you got Hendrick Motors. I mean, is is that all current model stuff you got, or is it? I mean, that's that's a big deal right there. Yeah, that's all current model stuff, and I mean, it was uh, you know it was tough to do, and, and it took us years to you know to build our partners up to come up with the funds to, to have a program like that. And it's uh, it's it's pretty cool man, to uh, to to have something like that, and I think you're going to see it you know come alive here in 
especially some of these tracks where we're already really strong and, and just to have that bonus on the horsepower is going to make a huge difference for us yeah you, you finally get to show everybody that how damn good a race car driver you are don't you when you got horsepower there you go <laughs> that's the goal <laughs> no it, it was funny i back in oh, 2001 or something like that i went i was able to go drive for penske for eight races and it's like oh my god it is so easy to run up front in one of these cars. It's amazing. <laughs> and it's like people telling you, oh, man, you're, you're a hell of a race car driver. I says, I've been telling you that for 10 years now. <laughs> it's, it's so wild. That, you know, it's, uh, I tell people, you know, once you get to this, this high level, you're only as good as the equipment you're sitting in, right? So, I mean, I had, uh, we tested the program at the end of the year last year at Phoenix, and we messed up qualifying. We didn't adjust enough, and, and we were super loose. Ended up qualifying 30. And they dropped the green and we drove to 10th. And I was like, wow, this is way different than what I'm used to. So it's, uh, it definitely helps a lot, man. I mean, like you talk about driving for Penske, it's like, it's a whole different world. You, you only, you almost catch yourself being way more relaxed and focused because you're not having to hustle as hard. Oh, I agree with you without a doubt. It's a uh, much easier. So your, your development program that you, you said you're on the way to Hickory Motor Speedway. That's, that's cool. That's a famous, legendary racetrack here in the Carolinas. And uh, you're just taking a young man up there, a young lady up there, to, to get a little experience or to see if you want to work with him, or how's that working? Yep. Yeah, we're getting him a little seat time. Uh, he's running Legends cars right now, and uh, yeah, he's, he's got his own late model, but it's uh, it's sitting on casters, so we got to do some more to it. But we'll put him in our car and try to get his feet wet a little bit and see how he likes it. He's a super talented kid, so we're we're looking forward to working with him and great people, great parents. So it's uh it's gonna be a fun deal, man. It's he uh, I don't even think he slept last night. His dad said he's he's been jacked up for like two weeks about this. So <laughs> now how old is this young man that's gonna drive for you? I think he's thirteen, twelve. I, I was gonna say I was seriously gonna oh, say, yeah. is he over twelve? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it, they keep getting younger man and, and they're they're super talented kids too and it's they race so much you know they're and they they they're on i racing constantly and, and they're always doing something so it's uh it's impressive to see some of this young talent jeff and i had made a joke over we're on what show 70 now jeff yeah we, something like that 70 so we've we've been around for a little while and when we first started i says look the way the race world's going right now if you don't have a career started by 12 and established by 16 you might as well just quit you know tell them the kale yarborough story oh a great story yeah josh you would love this because we it sounds like we we traveled the same path so back in 1990 i won the winston racing series nascar winston racing series in the mid-america division and i was wanting to go racing you know tell I'm, I'm big time i'm good <laughs> at least i thought i was so so at that time kale yarborough you know, the famous Cal Yarbrough was a car owner. And I called him. I got a hold of him at his Timminsville, South Carolina Honda store. And I introduced myself, and I associate my older brother, Rusty, and just that he kind of puts like two and three together, you know. And he goes, and we talk. He had a pleasure meeting you. I tell him everything I had done. And he's like, man, it sounds like you're a really good race car driver. He says, uh, what age are you? And I says, well, I says, sir, I'm just 31. Or I'm 31. He goes, hmm. Well, that's a little bit of a problem. He says, I I'm looking for somebody a little older with a little bit more maturity. <laughs> <laughs> so at 31, 31 at that time, yeah, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get an opportunity. But now you got to be 
12 or 12 15. or 13 <laughs> yeah. years old if you're not you know not already on the fast track so to speak right yeah so oh, yeah Tell us something that uh, the world doesn't know about you, Josh. I mean, you if I, and this is a total compliment, this whole show is, about, you know, you, you've made a big name for yourself in the last two weeks here or a week and a half ago to, by parking it. Right. And uh, what don't we know about you? What do we need to know about you? Yeah, you know, I, I, a lot of people, I mean, you got, we had a small fan base before, of people that's kind of caught on over the years. But, you know, I, I feel like people – you know, the race fans are always looking for that old school guy, right? They're like, oh, man, you know, we don't really watch race anymore because they call them spoon-fed or suitcase drivers, right? And, uh, you know, Spoon-fed or suitcase drivers. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And I tell them, I'm like, listen, you know, just try to follow along a little bit and, and watch what I do, you know. You know, keep up with us and, and – you know, you'll see that there's old school guys left. And, and I think a lot of this, you know, exposure we've got is I've been able to kind of tell my story and uh, get people's attention on, on what we got going on. And, and even off the track, you know, we do a lot of, a lot of stuff with the children's hospitals we've been doing since 2015 and visiting the kids and, and hanging out with them a little bit and getting some of them to the racetrack. And, you know, it's, that's stuff that we don't really super advertise like a lot of other people. It's just something we really enjoy doing. And, I think uh, I think a lot of people are catching on and, and showing support and you know getting on our side. Talk a little bit about that visiting children's hospitals and whatnot. How did you get started doing that? We had a, uh, a mutual friend of ours and um, one of their relatives. Um, I think she was I don't know she's probably ten years old at the time. Um, she was battling leukemia, and you know they're like, man, we should do something for her. And so we went to visit her hospital, as she called it. And uh, we brought our ARCA car there from Daytona and hung out with everybody for a while. And we were there for like two hours. And some of the kids came down and, and we couldn't go up into the into the hospital, but they would bring kids down. We'd show them the car and sign autographs, hang out with them for a little bit and talk to them. And man, I, I left that place in tears. I was I was pretty tore up about it. And and it's just those kids, you know, they, they don't know. You know what I mean? They're they're battling themselves and just for that short amount of time, they forget about everything that's going on. And, and that made a world of difference to me. And I was like, man, we got to do this again. So we, uh, we just kept going and, and it's turned into a, a full on Josh Williams hospital tour. And we go, uh, we try to go at most of every track we go to. And we've started a new program here over the last couple of years with Omni labs. It's uh, they built a, a robot that the kids can control from their hospital. So if, if they can't leave their room or I can't go see them or they can't come to the racetrack, uh, they can control this robot and, and follow me around through the garage and check out the hauler. And it's right there on the tablet. We can interact with each other and, and they still get that racing experience, you know, even from their hospital bed. So that deal has been super cool for us to, to even expand our, our reach to different kids. And it's been a blast. Explain that robot. That That's really interesting. I mean, is it, is it something you take to the racetrack? I mean, is it something you haul in a hauler and you unload and the kids can watch? Or how's that work? That's I'm... Yeah. Yeah, we carry it with us every week. It, uh, it stays in the hauler. And, um, you know, we, we even do hospitals that, that we don't even – aren't even near. Um, so that's pretty cool as well, you know, just to give those kids that, that experience. And it's, uh, it's remote control from a laptop. You know, they can move the camera up and down. They can – turn left turn right go forward backwards it's um it's an awesome deal man and it's been really cool to partner with those guys and, and to have an opportunity to, to have someone like 
have something like that on hand at all times. Yeah. So let's plug that the partner in that a little bit. So you said they called they're called Omni Labs. Yep, Omni Labs. Yeah, <laughs> a, they make all kinds of cool products, and, and they actually uh, they actually used them at the Super Bowl. Um, they seen what we did um, over the years here, and and taking the kids to the racetrack and they actually used them at the Super Bowl and, and had some kids drive around at the Super Bowl. So that was, that was pretty neat to see, you know, our reach, you know, make it all the way to something as big as, as being an event at the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, so I, I'm going to stay on this just for a second because I'm really intrigued by it. I do, I do some charitable work here for the MDA here in the Charlotte area, nothing to the extreme of what you do, but so, so those kids can sit in their in their room or on their wherever they're at with a little laptop or an iPad or something like that, and they can remotely run this device at the racetrack. Yeah, yeah, it runs off of Wi-Fi, so we can uh, they can talk back and forth. It's got a speaker, um, it's got a camera, so they can see me. They can I can see them. It's a uh, it's a really cool deal. I'll have to I'll have to introduce you to them guys, and maybe we can put something together, and maybe we can do something. Yeah. So it does. Is that open when when you're at a when you're at the racetrack? Is there multiple children that can hook onto that, or you just designate a, a few of them at some that's at a hospital somewhere that can log in? How's that work? Yep. So basically, I'll send them a link to our robot, and uh, they'll they'll open the link, and uh, you know basically they'll have each room, or they'll carry the laptop with them and, and have each kid. You know, we usually do two to three kids. Um, sometimes one, um, you know, but up to three, you know, and, and kind of show them around a little bit, rolling through inspection. Uh, they got to meet a couple of the drivers, different drivers, and crew chiefs and officials. And they've seen the car go through inspection. It's it's an awesome deal, man. It's it's helped us out a ton to, just to get to those kids that we can't see in person. Hell, I'd like to play with that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that's right. really, really nice, Josh, that you put that effort in, especially for the children because um, – you know, they say the children are the future of the world, and that's what I believe in. Do, do, do you have support on that program? I mean, I know you said Omni built that device, but for the person that's listening, and as Jeff says, it's the world. The whole world is the listening. The whole world is listening. Uh, how does somebody get involved in helping you with that hospital tour? Uh, they can go to our website, you know, uh, com, and, and choose the message and get in touch with us there or on my Facebook. Everything's the same. So, uh, you know, it'd be cool to partner with some people and get on board and, and do some stuff for the kids, man. We're uh, we're donating quite a bit to uh, uh, the Ryan Seacrest Foundation. Um, they build uh, like radio studios with, and they have uh, live stream TV and all the rooms. They play games with the kids and things like that, and, and so it's really interactive and kind of gives them gives them something to look forward to during the day and have a little bit of fun. Well, man, you're doing it incredible job that's that's exciting jeff oh, that's amazing I, you, know, and, you know the whole artificial intelligence thing is really amazing yeah you know it's the way of the world yeah <laughs> well it's certainly going to be right yeah. it's be a good spot for a timeout. we'll come back and we'll wrap it up with josh what do All you right. say josh williams driver team owner so much more joining us today you're listening to fast car to nascar with mike wallace on the speed sport podcast network powered by my race pass and nascar digital media Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. Joining us today, Josh Williams on the line. We'll bring it home with Josh. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Well, Josh, you said you're on the way to Hickory Motor Speedway, so I appreciate you taking the time today. And I've just, uh, I took Jeff's phone and he had a Park It t-shirt pulled up. 
And uh, Josh6Williams.com is the uh, is the website. But yeah, you guys, you know, because since the whole parking thing at Atlanta Motor Speedway, you kind of took a page out of the Marketing 101 handbook, and uh, you're having a little fun with it. So you've got these park it t-shirts that are available now on your website and other products as well. But talk about that for a second. Yeah, we're uh, we're taking proceeds from the T-shirt and and donate it to uh, the Seacrest Foundation so they can build some more studios and uh, you know help support the kids at Children's Hospital. So it's been a it's been a neat deal for us, man, and and to see the support we've got from all the fans and and even some of the people in the industry. You know, I uh, I was on uh, Door Bumper Clear and they were talking about you know who who my uh, worst driver was right there at, at Atlanta and I picked Sage Karen. Well, he ended up buying a T-shirt, so. You know, everybody's on board for charity. Well, that, that's hey, great. And the, and the charity you spoke of is just absolutely amazing. But I have a promotional idea for you. This And, and listen, if, if, if Humpy Wheeler was still at Charb Motor Speedway, he would absolutely be all over this. You ready? So we bring in Josh to be a parking attendant for the Speedway Club on... Uh, on, oh yeah, on Cup on Cup weekend coming up in May, right? Yeah. With all the pro, you, you know, you take all the tips and everything that he earns as a parking attendant, and all that money goes to charity plus, or the Speedway Children's Charities or whatever. Plus, the Charlotte Motor Speedway matches whatever Josh earns, right? So he's a parking attendant. Come on, that, that, that's beautiful. That's good you, stuff. You know, I've uh, <laughs> I placed a call to Marcus Smith on Thursday, not realizing he was in Coda, yeah, to to get him on the show. So, Josh, if it's okay, we're going to, what we'll do they call that? Pitch uh, the concept. Pitch the concept for you. You might, <laughs> you, you might have to park some Ferraris or Rolls Royces or something because we only want people that are going to tip a lot I'm of money. I'm not talking you know? about race fans. I'm talking about those who attend the Speedway Club. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. yeah. On event day, right? Yeah. Let, let's make it happen. I'm, uh, I'm, good, buddy. I'm good buddies with Graham. And uh, I, I didn't have my phone, unfortunately, when I was in timeout in Atlanta. And uh, Graham was texting me, and he's like, hey, man, he's like, do you need anything down there? My dad thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So I had the, I had the track owner on my side. So that's a good thing. Yeah, well, you know, it was cool. I noticed that Bristol has put a promotional ad out for you that they got a, they got a reserve Josh Williams yeah, parking sign stuck right. in the dirt. We'll see you in September. You know? line, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. I thought that was pretty cool. It's, uh, I guess I'm going to have to find me a truck or a cup ride to go run that race since I got a parking spot for me already. Yeah, I, I think you should capitalize on it. So uh, Everybody's having a little fun with the whole thing. Why not, right? Yeah. So, Josh, how, did, how does uh, just go to josh6williams.com? Is that how everybody finds you? Yeah, josh6williams.com if, you know, you guys want to – get a t-shirt or support the cause and uh, you know josh six williams on twitter that's where i have my most fun so you know i uh i've been asked to ask you this through through our production group tell tell me about uh i understand is is your wife a tiktok influencer or something like that is she like well known or something in the in the social media world uh, she is most definitely yeah uh treasure ray she um she uh, she hooks me up with all the good food. She's uh, she does um, a lot of stuff with different companies, and and she's uh, she's a chef as well. So it's uh, I eat good when I go home. I can promise you that. There you go. Hey, Jeff pulls so up. I different... just went to your Facebook page, Josh, and the first thing that I see is Kenny Wallace talking about what happened at Atlanta Motor Speedway. <laughs> my, my opinion and my story about Josh Williams parking his NASCAR Xfinity car in Atlanta. <laughs> 
There you so, go. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the the first time I ever met Kenny is when we did the the Humphy's Heroes Driver Development Program in 2009, and Kenny was like on the, on the board or whatever, and he walks up to me and he says, "Hey son," he said, "Let me tell you something." I said, "Okay, Kenny, what you got?" He said, "I can't read your name on your belt on your suit." And he says, "How are we supposed to know who you are if I can't even read it?" So from that moment forward, now my suits all have just bold text Josh Williams on the suit. So <laughs> thanks, Kenny, for that. There you go. Look at the things you learn along the way, right? Kenny always has a different perspective on everything, you know? Yeah. Well, Josh, I think we can go on and on forever, but we're going to let you go that you can take care of that uh, driver development program. So when you unload that car today, give, give the, the people around the world, what's the perspective when you take a new driver? Uh, and that everybody knows Hickory Motor Speedway is a little, maybe, what, three-eighths mile, third mile asphalt racetrack. It's totally wore out. You know, but every legend in the world has raced, every NASCAR legend has raced there since 19-0-whatever. Right. Right? Yeah. I think it was BC. BC. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so what do you do when you unload that car? Well, what's the first thing you're going to have that young man do or uh, to get ready to go make a lap? I'm going to pull his seat insert out, and I'm going to sit in it and make him stand on the wall and watch me for about 15 laps. Okay. And then, uh, and then we'll go out there, and uh, we'll put the radios on, and, and we'll coach him through it. And, um, you know, he's got super good car control from the Legends cars. So we're on a 100-lap set of wore-out tires already on a wore-out racetrack. So I always take them to Hickory for their first time. I tell them, if you can get around Hickory on wore-out tires, we can go anywhere and be fast. Gotcha. What do you think, Jeff? Josh Williams is an exciting guy, isn't he? Yeah, I think I think you're a cool cat, Josh. I look forward to seeing you race uh, at Richmond this weekend and the, the rest of the full series in the uh, 92 car, the 92 Chevrolet Camaro for DGM Racing. Best of luck to you, brother. I appreciate you. Yeah, make sure you turn on the TV for Richmond. I think it's going to be exciting. Got a good car there? You ready for that? Yeah, I think we're going to be pretty sporty, man. We, uh, we've had some good runs there in the past. And- We've made some updates and some changes, so looking forward to it. Okay, well, make sure your uh, your media people don't let this uh, this momentum die. Make sure you, and what I mean that seriously, you know, you everybody knows who was at Atlanta. They don't know who won Atlanta. Right. Right. They but know they, who parked it. They know who parked it. And uh, oh, yeah. carry, carry that uh, to, to Richmond. You, you might just for the fun see if the racetrack will let you roll that baby during tech out onto the racetrack at the start-finish line. Just for some photos. Yeah, just a photo op, right? That would be cool. A social media op. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, me and the wife me and the wife are taking the motorhome to Richmond, so I might see if I can just drive it on the racetrack, park it, and start-finish line. <laughs> there you go. Well, best of luck to you, buddy. I'm, uh, I'm really excited we had this conversation. Uh, the, the two, you know, the things we have in common with Barry Owen and... Uh, Jimmy Means. Yeah, Jimmy Means. And, and then the crazy part, I was thinking he's got Josh Six Williams, right? Yeah. Well, six was my number growing up. All my Look short at all track the connections. Racing. So, uh, a, like, a lot of cool things. Like together. Legos, they all just fit together. Beautiful. <laughs> all right, Josh. Once again, man, have a great day. Thank you. Here we go. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Josh Williams joining us on Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. We'll see you next week.